Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Julian Morgans, and you're listening to What It Was Like, the show that asks people who have lived through big, dramatic events what it was like. Today, we're talking to a guy who bought a cruise ship. Or specifically, he bought a stake in a cruise ship with two mates, and the three of them tried to create this floating libertarian utopia anchored off the coast of Panama. Only it kind of didn't work out because of red tape. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just start with an introduction. Today's guest is a man named Grant Ramond. And Grant is a tech entrepreneur, and he's very interested in something called seastanding. And basically, seastanding is a movement of people who want to live in houses built on stilts over the ocean. Like, okay, imagine a little house uh, suspended up on a pole, and it's, uh, and it's kind of floating on the water. Living in something like that is called seastanding. And Grant is a big exponent of seastanding. And he and two friends thought that a way to, to jumpstart the whole seastanding movement would be to buy a cruise ship. That way, they could provide heaps of accommodation for like-minded entrepreneurial people who also wanted to live on the ocean, and they could all live together in a kind of big oceanic sharehouse. Now, full disclosure, I'm actually recording this introduction a few months after I'd already done the interview. So I know answers to questions now that I didn't know when I was doing the interview. So you'll hear me being like, hey, Grant, what kind of a ship did you buy? And Grant, well, he's a little, he's a little cagey on the details, uh, just simply because of the, of the sales terms. But I can talk about this stuff, and um, and all of the info is on the internet. So I'll just tell you right now, those guys they bought an ex Pino cruise ship called the Pacific Dawn. It's this big, curvaceous white ship. It was built in 1991. Um, they paid 9.5 million dollars for it. But but here's an interesting little fact: uh, pre pandemic, it was probably worth around 100 million dollars. But uh, you know, cruise ships were kind of it was a everything must go sale at the time. So they scooped it up for a very cool. 
So today we're going to hear about what that was like. What's it like owning your own personal cruise ship? What's it like spending Christmas Day alone on your ship, just exploring all the different rooms with a master key and bombing water slides? Because as you're about to hear, that's exactly what Grant did. So let's do it. Here's Grant Ramond. All right. Well, Grant, let's just start at the beginning. Like, I understand you grew up in Canada. Um, you know, sort of set the scene for me. Who are you? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Canada. Uh, I always loved uh, being close to the close to the water or in the water, being in the water all the time. I spent just about every weekend growing up in my aunt's pool, and uh, I just could never get enough. And wrote my first software program when I was about eight. Eight years old. Yeah. What was uh What was the program? It was back in 1980, so it was back when the first home computer really hit the market, which was a TRS-80, and it was a black and white screen, which we made, we turned into color by putting a, a green filter over it. That's a very, okay. very old nice. school. That's uh, the first yeah, wow. color monitor was just a green filter that was put over top of the, the screens. So I just wrote a program for a science fair um, project, and uh, it was very simple, but was really my when I just started um, coding software. Uh, I'm not a coder now, but I know enough to direct a team of developers. So I have a software development company I've been running for the last 12 years. I had a, uh, an online TV series for hairdressers that turned into mobile application development for um, producing an app that our viewers could watch our show on so we had like half a million hairdressers watching our show all over the world so i created that app for <laughs> ourselves and then that's it, a hell of a that's a hell of a niche that you've tapped into yeah very niche market um before that i was a, a scissor sharpening expert actually for hair salons wow. so that turned into teaching beauty schools uh scissor education and i was living in san francisco for a while and one of my roommates was one of the top internet marketers in his niche. And then one of my other roommates was one of the uh, co six co-founders of PayPal. So I had all this tech savviness around me and uh, they were just encouraging me to do something online. So I scaled my scissor sharpening business to an online education program for hairdressers. And then that turned into a, an app business. Then that turned into uh, developing apps for uh, well, professionals, Clairol, OPI, Sebastian, uh, a lot of L'Oreal brands, about 20 L'Oreal brands at one time. And then I outsourced that business completely. Wow. Wow. It seems to me that uh, you're a textbook case of a guy who sees a niche. You're like, oh, here's a problem that um, a fairly uh, lucrative market is experiencing all the time. I'm going to solve it. Uh, and, you know, and and then you, you make some money and move on to the next lucrative problem. Um, it's it's impressive. I wish uh, I wish I'd done more of that. <laughs> well, it didn't always work out so well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, I guess for every you know for every uh, couple of attempts, there's there's one that works, and that's that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Tell me about how C standing came into your life. Um. Well, I was actually going to a, packing to go to a conference, and I just had this weird feeling that. Not too long from now, not 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 too far in the distant, uh, not too far in the future, I would be packing to actually move, and uh, so the idea was planted in my head, 
And then I got on this plane that I was, uh, you know, um, getting ready to go on and met with someone on the plane who um, was uh, was wearing a shirt saying, stop arguing, start seasteading. And I was like, what is that? And it was like, uh, it, so we started talking and he, uh, he was associated with, uh, my now business partners and building the production pro or the, uh, uh, engineering prototype for a floating house that would float in international okay. waters or in the middle of the ocean. So, so let's just talk about sea standing for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who's listening at home and doesn't have any idea what it is. Can you please explain? Sure. Seasteading is the idea that you can uh, build a a home or a community, um, and it can be floating in international waters. So it's basically a floating okay. city, floating community, um, and it. I, I like the idea of it because you can um, on on land when you put a house down, you're your neighbors are your neighbors and you can't do anything about it unless you move. But with a floating house, if you don't like your neighbors, you can just get up and move your house. And in 10 minutes, you're, you're at a new location. So it, uh, it's a great way of making sure you have great neighbors and you love the environment that you're in. Tell me when did the, uh, the cruise ship come into it? So the cruise ship idea was now something we thought, well, we maybe get there in five or 10 years, but then the pandemic hack happened and the, uh, cruising industry was devastated. So we thought, well, maybe, maybe we can find a cruise ship that's on sale for uh, a deep discount. Yeah. Fire uh, sale. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of put some price targets and what, we were looking for for um, a price per room per cabin, and we just waited until uh, uh, ships started to come into that range, and then we found one that was in the range. What's? Uh, can we just wind it back a moment? So, at the point where you decide to buy a cruise ship, I mean, what does that process look like? Is there like an eBay for cruise ships? Is you know, like where do you start? Um, well, there's companies that sell cruise ships, uh, used ships, actually, um, not specifically cruise ships, but we were looking for, uh, we just went to a website and we checked out a couple websites and found some, uh, salespeople, just like you'd have a real estate sales agent for buying land. You have, um, agents that sell ships. I mean, was there, you know, I, I'm guessing it was pandemic. So you weren't touring these things. You were just looking at them on online and sort of clicking through some photos. Yep, exactly. We had to buy sight unseen. Okay, all right. So, so when you finally find a ship that uh, you know you you put gave them an offer and they accepted it, what did you end up with? Like, what ship did you buy? Um, we actually can't say the name of the ship that the original name of the ship. Um, under that's all right. That's under the non-disclosure agreement we had with them. But once again, that's you know check out Wikipedia. Um, so we we named the ship the. Uh, Satoshi or the MS okay. Satoshi. And uh, so we wanted to name it after the creator of, of Bitcoin, which you know, was just uh, a symbolic name for us that uh, we thought that 
a lot of people would gravitate towards and would give people the idea of you know what we wanted to create we wanted to have a floating community that would actually be anchored in one place would be anchored in panama and we yep. wanted to be to have a crypto cruise ship where people could come and you could have um you know a normal you could just live around people that were into the same thing you are so it would be a very um like-minded community of of people that are entrepreneurs digital nomads and uh most of them would be a very familiar and uh, a supporter of cryptocurrencies so it just seemed like a really amazing idea to be able to surround yourself with with uh like-minded people yeah 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 can you i mean can you describe the cruise ship like how big are we talking uh what's what's just the sort of the look uh it was you know it was uh massive it was it was uh like a normal cruise ship that you would go on a cruise ship vacation on it was uh like the love boat it's a thousand uh, there's <laughs> okay. a total of a thousand rooms uh give or take a couple uh there's 777 um passenger cabins and then 200 plus um uh staff cabins and then there's uh, there was a casino, there was restaurant, m- many restaurants, uh, bars, uh, a pool. How many restaurants? Um, well, there's a, a food court, so there's several small little kind of mm-hmm. restaurants in there. There was um, a couple of very nice, big, elegant restaurants, like maybe two or three. Um, and then there's a... Uh, like there's a big pool area so you can get food there if you uh, you know when once the when the ship was running then you'd be able to get food and and drinks there um and then it had um staff restaurants and yeah a few other small places i imagine there was a i imagine there was a cinema on board maybe a gym Um, yeah there's a gym there's uh, a huge um uh screen on the patio where the pool was so at night you could watch movies there which was kind of cool i watched uh, oh. i think it was aladdin that they played it was really really kind of cool watching it uh, <laughs> in the pool <laughs> when you when you were swimming um well i wasn't swimming the um but it was at the pool like the top deck that had a pool and had a lounge and and uh, a big screen so they Got played a, aladdin there and they had also, uh, I don't remember how many seats, but they had a huge theater for live performances. And uh, we wanted oh, to actually no do uh, uh, talks and educational programs there. Um, so that was yeah. kind of our thought of what we would do there. And it was it was massive. It was like um, you would expect to see a, a big Broadway show there. It was big enough for <laughs> a nice size show. Yeah, wow. See, I'd have I'd have thrown on some cabaret there. Well, certainly my wife would have. But um, uh, you know, TED talks sound good too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I mean, I look. I I won't say the name, but uh, I I looked this thing up on the internet, and um, I know that it 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 did a lot of cruises around Australia. It was sort mm-hmm. of stationed in Australia for a long time. Well, I think and, you can uh, say the name. I just can't. I can oh really? I can confirm or right. deny. 
<laughs> okay, all right. Well, for- <laughs> sure. Then it's a P&O cruise. And, you know, P&O, I'm sh- pretty sure you've got P&O in the States, uh, but certainly in Australia. They're famous for sort of being a very 90s, early 2000s kind of vibe where lots of, you know, happy family is smeared in zinc cream. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a I don't know. Cruising, cruising has always seemed to me a bit like taking a vacation in a shopping mall. Like it's it's a it's a very particular style of <laughs> of holiday, which um, appeals to me on one level. But then, um, but then I find it also quite funny on another level. But um, yeah, like the the scale of cruise ships, amazing. Like you know, just when you're ticking off all the the rooms and all the stuff you've got on there, like it's it's pretty amazing. Um. Okay. All right. So, so, so you make an offer. It goes through. You end up with this enormous cruise ship. Um. At, at what point do you get in? Like, at what point do you fly over and get on board? Uh. Well, my business partner, uh, Rudy, flew over and picked it up, uh, sailed it across the Atlantic, and uh, brought it into Panama. And at that point, I went and uh, I got on the ship as soon as it arrived. And that was okay. twenty second right. of December two thousand twenty. Okay, so you showed up at the dock. Can you give me your like? What was your first impression when you showed up and looked at it? <laughs> wow, it's like you're. It's a little bit of disbelief. It's like, how did I, how did I become part owner of of a cruise ship <laughs> and uh, <this laughs> massive, massive thing? Um, and uh, it was <laughs> quite, quite amazing the the scale of like how big it is. I haven't actually had never been on a cruise ship before. Yeah, me neither. I've never been. Uh, I've just seen photos of them and gone, wow. So, so yeah, I can imagine that stepping aboard your own personal cruise liner. Yeah, that'd that'd be a hell of an experience. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite something, and it's so easy to get lost because there's there's it's so big uh and to think that you could get lost on a on a boat um i mean it has to be really big to be able to get lost but i i got lost many times Um, (laughs) on your own boat (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um okay okay so you get on board uh who was who was on board at that time uh there was 40 crew and i think about four crew got off once we arrived in Panama and we stayed at port for, I think a day. And then we went out uh, about three miles to sea. We're going to take a quick ad break here and we'll be right back with more what it was like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So what did you do for the first day? I mean, I imagine you're sort of just uh you know it's your own it's your own ship so you can go anywhere you want like walk me through that first day well um i i think all i was there for about six days um until about the 28th so i was there through christmas but pretty much every day was mostly the same just trying to find you know just exploring the ship and um i had there's one key that was like the master key for the entire ship. It opened every door, every room, every, every, everything. Oh, that's good. So that's exciting. I, yeah, that was very cool. <laughs> so the captain gave me the, the key, um, when I got on board and I, uh, I used it and every room that said, do not <laughs> enter or private or personnel only, or, um, whatever I, uh, if it said, do not enter, I was going in. So it was quite. <laughs> so, uh, what did you find? What's what's behind all these locked doors? Uh, one of the really cool rooms was the rope room, and it was. You wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but when you're when you have to tie uh, something the size of a cruise ship down with ropes when you're coming into port and um, and anchoring, then you have this room that has the, these ropes that are, um, let's see about seven or eight 
inches diameter. So like they're huge yeah. and they're on these That's big, big rope. huge spools um, of rope. So you have this whole room filled with these uh, huge spools of super thick rope. And uh, when we we're in port, they were down and they're super tight. And um, if you were there at the wrong time, when they're bringing things up, then it can be really dangerous, I guess, because if a rope snaps or um, flicks for some reason, and it's a rope that's uh, eight inches thick with tons of tension on it, it can be kind of dangerous. So you weren't really supposed to be in there, but I had the key. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're the king. Yeah. Okay, what else did you find? Uh, did you? I imagine you went down the engine room. What? What the hell is? What's that like? What? What happens down there? The engine room. Yeah, that was sweet. So first, we, uh, I got a tour of the. I don't know what you would call that room, but it was just a room full of uh, control panels with switches, and it, I guess, would be like the master control for connecting different parts of the ship. So it was like on off switches and buttons and controls for, for a lot of the ship. They all came together into that, like an engineering room. And then from there, there's an entrance to the, uh, to the actual engine room and the engine room on a cruise ship that size is an entire floor, which is, Hmm. It's, uh, we, we went on a tour and it, it was a, I think a 25 minute tour. I recorded it. So I have it on, I think I have it on my, one of my online channels, maybe on Vimeo or something like that. And yeah. it's a, it's a really cool tour. It, uh, it's very loud. It's incredibly loud and everything in there yeah. is like, um, machinery that you're maybe used to seeing in various places, but they're scaled up 10 times. Like everything's just huge. Like the, the motors yeah, yeah. are not small motors or alternators or generators. They're like 10 times or 50 times what you're used to seeing. So everything's, everything's supersized. Everything's huge and loud. And, uh, yeah, there's, pipes going everywhere there's hot steam uh there's uh very secure doors that partition you know that are partitions every uh maybe every 100 feet or something like that or maybe 50 to 70 right. feet they can there's, be sealed up sealed yep. up in case of a hull breach is that right yep uh hull breach or whatever else I, i'm not sure yeah fire or fire <laughs> yeah. tsunami yeah i mean again when you're describing this i'm just seeing sort of those those scenes from titanic in my head where it's just these enormous pistons and you know everything's shiny and oiled and hissing and and churning and uh yeah i mean is that is that right it hasn't it hasn't really changed a lot since uh since uh 1912 um i guess so i i don't remember so much uh i don't really remember that part of the movie the titanic um i guess i should go back and watch it. i'd probably have a whole new appreciation for it now um, <laughs> you should have watched that in the pool instead of uh, instead of aladdin <laughs> more on theme anyway yeah 
What is the what's the single weirdest room or cavity on a cruise ship? What's what's the place that you like? Like, do they have a morgue, for instance, or something a bit weird like that? Um, I don't recall there being a morgue. I think there was a, uh, a like a jail or a detention center. Really, I think that's cool. There was, and I guess that makes sense because if someone I don't know goes crazy uh, while you're out at sea somewhere, uh, you may need to detain him if he's uh, if there's if there's a murder or something on board. Then you know you yeah you should you'd want to detain someone. Uh, so I think yeah, there yeah. was one, but I, I didn't see it. I didn't find that room. Ah, damn. See, I would have gone, I'd have gone hunting for that thing. Yeah. What, um, what about, uh, was there like a, was there like the most luxurious suite? Was there like a honeymoon suite, you know, with like a love, love heart shaped bed or anything on the, on the boat? Uh, no, there wasn't. There was no love bed or heart shaped bed. <laughs> um, the nicest room I think was, uh, it was either the captain's room or, um, one of the other guys that were pretty much at the same or close to the same level. Uh, maybe it was the engineer's yeah. room. Like those, those two had the best rooms on the ship. What were, like, what was, what was so good about them? Uh, they were big. The location was really nice because it was close to, uh, you know, the, the top, um, where yeah. the, the navigation or steering room or captain's room was. So it was, Really great location, very large, spacious, and comfortable because those guys had to be comfortable. You know, they're yeah, they're in charge of a pretty, you know, a, a whole city, really, a floating city. Yeah. So yeah. those guys needed to be taken care of because they were responsible for so many people. <laughs> Tell me about the bars because I understand that the ship was sold with the bars fully stocked. Is that right? Um. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't really think about it from that point of view, but there was, uh, there was, um, several bars and they all had alcohol in them. And, uh, there's a few that I went to and it's like, oh, I can't, I you know that's a locked uh, thing. I can't go in there. It's but then I was thinking, well, Hey, it's my ship. Uh, I have the key and I'm not a, I don't drink much anyway, so I didn't indulge, but I was like, okay, I, because there's that normal thinking that, no, I can't go in there. I can't do that. And then it's like, well, no, I have the key and it's my ship. So of course I can go in there. I can do this. <laughs> I'm allowed. <laughs> so see, see this, I mean, all of this surprises me for a few levels. First of all, I would have thought that if, if I was selling a cruise ship, I would make sure that there was no liquor left on it. Cause you know, I'll keep it. You know, like liquor is expensive. I'll I'll keep that, thanks. But apparently, the previous owners just sold it and just left all the you know all the spirits and all the beers and stuff still in the bars. It seems insane to me. I mean, I uh, I would have, especially on Christmas, I'd have probably uh, tucked into it a bit. <laughs> um, I think I had two drinks for Christmas, Christmas Eve, and during Christmas. <laughs> I'm not really a drinker. So tell me about Christmas because I mean you're there you're there sort of by yourself Christmas day. I mean what's it like sort of roaming around an empty cruise ship by yourself on Christmas? Uh it was fun. I uh I got on the phone and called family and friends and and had uh <laughs> talked to them all and said hi and 
many of them didn't know that I had bought a cruise ship. So, uh, that was, that was a fun thing to do for Christmas. It's like, Hey, I'm on a cruise ship. It's like, really? You're on a cruise ship? Cause like that time, no one was, everyone was afraid to go near cruise ships and, uh, <laughs> no one was, you know, all the cruise ships had shut down. And so they're all surprised I was on a cruise ship. And it's like, well, yeah, I bought a cruise ship. <laughs> You're like, never the fact, don't worry about the fact that I'm on a cruise ship. Like, this is my cruise ship. That's, uh, maybe they're overlooking the most surprising element of that story. Yeah, you know, I told several people that, but they they missed that. And I think they missed that because it's, <laughs> it's not, nor it's so out of the norm that people just think they didn't hear it correctly. So they just assume that I'm just on a cruise ship, I'm on a vacation. And many right. people told me that they thought, "Oh, so how's your vacation on on that cruise ship?" It's like, you know, there's a more probably a third of the people that I talked to um, just thought Jeez. I was on a, on a vacation on a cruise ship because they they couldn't comprehend. I mean, it, it is a lot. Yeah. To, it is a lot to take in. It's, yeah, it's, it's a normal. it's a sentence that I've it's a sentence I've never heard. No one's ever said to me, "I bought a cruise ship." It's not a it's not a phrase I've heard come out of anyone's mouth. So, so when you were like you were FaceTiming people, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. uh, and and it would is it was just an empty cruise ship. Like you said before, it's like the size of a city, but you're pretty much the only one on it. Mm-hmm. What's what's that mood like? Is that is it a bit spooky? Uh, no, no, not 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 at all. Um, it was uh, well, I guess maybe it was a little spooky. I, I guess I never really thought about it. It's it's odd that you're walking around from room to room to room, and every room's empty and and uh, there's no one there. So yeah, from that point of view, it's it's spooky. It wasn't scary. It was just unusual to have that many rooms that were vacant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ostensibly, it's a you know, it's a structure. It's a space that's designed for crowds. That's mm-hmm. its sole purpose. And then you take away the crowds and it's just like, what, what is this thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, was, uh, was an adventure just trying to yeah. find every, uh, every nook that I could find and, and, and the ship and see what was there. And, uh, on Christmas Eve, on Christmas, it was really cool. They turned on the, uh, the water park. So there's a, a big <laughs> kids water park that was that was fun, but then there was the yeah. water slide, which was amazing. It was really tell me about the water slide. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, it was pretty high, and uh, it had uh, stripes, different color stripes going all the way down. So when you got in it and you were going down, it was like this psychedelic thing. You were almost like on a psychedelic trip or something. Uh, with all the flashing lights. Um, so, yeah, I, I probably spent a couple hours there on Christmas Christmas Day. <laughs> just just, going just doing water slides. <laughs> just doing water slides. Did several videos going through the water slides. Um, it was a lot that of fun. Is, that is fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think I've seen a photo of the of the actual water slide on this ship mm-hmm. and it kind of curls around the, the funnel, doesn't it? Like it's yeah. it's got a real spiral. So like it's high. You start up really high. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably um, 20 meters high. Yeah. Something like that, 15, 20 meters high. I love, 
I love water slides. I I gotta say, you know, I'm I'm 35 now, so it's it's probably something I need to work past. But um, there's still a part of me that gets pretty excited about water slides. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'd been on a water slide before. If I have, it's been a very very long time, and it would just I I know I've been on really small, short, straight ones, but. Mm. I don't think I've ever been on a curling curved one that uh, was that high. I, I don't think I was. Yeah, especially not one that like wraps around the the smokestack on a cruise liner. Yeah, yeah there's not that's, a lot of them that do that. <laughs> no, that's unique. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that, well, I mean, that sounds lovely. Was there a Christmas tree? Was there? You know, did you unwrap some gifts by yourself? Uh, there was a Christmas tree in the bar by the pool and um i didn't open any presents on the on the ship why not uh i didn't have any no one gave me any um i didn't think that <laughs> far always... ahead i didn't plan it um i just was like okay was all the... going on a cruise ship i'm going on the cruise ship and i didn't think oh like i'm going for christmas i should bring uh christmas presents yeah. for myself <laughs> I just didn't think about that. What about all the crew? I mean, I understand. I understand the crew is largely Ukrainian, so so you know they uh, um, Europe takes mm-hmm. Christmas pretty seriously. Like, what were they up to? Um, there was, uh, I guess, uh, a nicer Christmas meal. The a lot of the meals were pretty much the same every night, so it was not all that exciting. It wasn't, you know, on a cruise ship. You always hear about these huge meals and all you can eat everything and it's very you know uh, you just you can eat and eat and eat and there's tons of variety uh with the ship here we only had 36 people on board or 37 with me and it was just crew rations basically so it wasn't i mean it was was fine but i'm usually pretty particular on the food that i eat so i didn't yeah really it wasn't really the stuff I would normally eat. Got it. Yeah, I imagining. I, I imagine it was a lot of like um, uh, macaroni cheese and uh, salads comprised of lots of iceberg lettuce. Yeah, there's a lot of oily, greasy food and a lot of food with gluten, which I don't really eat either of those kinds of foods. Mm, right. Yeah. 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 That's cruise. That's cruise food, according to uh, my my understanding of it. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I mean, that's look. I'm jealous. It, this it sounds amazing. Um, it just sounds like you know, like a kid in a candy store. Like you just got locked into a candy store over Christmas. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any candy, but it was like every room was uh, a candy. You know, a new candy that I yeah. could discover and try and and just yeah. <laughs> It was it was fun. It was definitely a did you, kid moment. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Did you sleep in different rooms every night? Like do a sort of like Goldilocks thing? Uh, I thought about that, but I uh, I just slept in one of the room, uh, the one room that I was <laughs> that I got when I moved in. Right, and I imagine it was surreal when you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still here on this cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, uh, it was a very interesting week and, uh, I'm really glad I, I, 
I went on board and, and uh, experienced it. I, I took a week off work and well, I still worked a little bit, but um, yeah, it was, it was quite, quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let, let's, let's move it along. Cause I mean, uh, you know, the whole purpose of this cruise ship was, was to study utopian society moored off the coast of Panama. Uh, that, that kind of didn't work out. So, so what happened? Um, well, the, uh, the cruise industry has so much regulation. It may be one of the most overregulated industries, uh, that, exist there's like there's rules about uh there's actually some really stupid rules so if someone falls overboard and is in the water there's laws that prevent you from being able to actually save them like that there's all these rules that came in rules and laws that came in place over many years uh so you can't actually save someone but you also can't let them drown because there's rules against that too so no matter what you do, you're breaking a rule or a law. And uh, right. so you might as well just save them and because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> but um, but there's laws against either, you know, either thing. So, yeah, there there's so much regulation that we weren't able to actually do what we wanted to do with the ship. Um, and we couldn't get the insurance to do what we wanted to do. Um, we had to, even if we took all the oil off the ship, we still had to have, um, insurance for oil, for oil spills and oil Ugh. leaks. And right. we, okay. since we were doing something so unusual with the ship that was not being done, uh, we couldn't get, uh, the insurance coverage. And, uh, probably if we stuck it out for another year or so, we probably would have jumped through all the right hoops to get permissions and approvals. But, um, it's kind of expensive keeping a cruise ship and paying for 36 workers and the fuel. And, uh, so there's just gets really expensive yeah. to stick around. So we yeah, said, yeah, okay, yeah. we're going to cut our losses and sell it. Was that a hard decision to make? Um, no, no, it just, uh, it just made sense with all the rules and overregulation and, uh, that we, you know, the fact that we weren't going to be able to do what we wanted to do, it's like, okay, well, there's no point in keeping this. We might as well make the call now and, and move on. Right, right. Okay. You're a very uh, analytical character, I must say. I think faced with that decision in that moment, I think I'd have felt a bit emotionally attached to the ship. I'd have been like, you know, it's my ship. Now it's my baby and I'm, I've got to sell it. I've only just had it for a week. Uh yeah, I, I think you and I would have had different reactions. Yeah, um, I uh, I guess I've done a lot of work on my ego over my life, so it's like I don't take a, it's like I don't, my ego doesn't take a position on it like that. It's like okay, well, if this is what is happening, then if this is the best course of action, then uh, there's no point in trying to fight it and. Uh, I mean, this is a fight that can't be won. So it's like, let's just move on. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is frustrating though, that this whole ship, you know, the idea of, of this, uh, this platform way of living it, it, you know, you're trying to escape the bureaucracy of, of modern civilization. Uh, and in the end, 
it's it's this bureaucracy that that brought the whole scheme undone. Like there's an irony there that that feels a bit sad to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was it was an interesting situation for sure. We were trying to uh, uh, the Panama government was very supportive of us getting the ship, and there was rules and regulations with Panama that we could have worked with them and had changed over time, but we just weren't willing to hold on for a year or two to get to that point. So it's, yeah. Um, that combined with, um, all the regulations that we had to deal with that were international regulations and then the insurance issue then was just like, okay, this is, this doesn't make sense. Um, would have been nice if we knew this before we bought the ship, but, uh, yeah, yeah. let's cut our losses. Yeah. 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 Okay, so how did you get rid of it? Did you get rid of it the same way you got it, just uh, through a broker? Um, basically, yes. Yeah. So, so you sold it, and I mean, did it end up in a scrapyard, or like, where is it now? Uh, it was bought by a company that is uh, repurposing it, bringing it back to life. There, there's nothing wrong with the ship. It was, uh, it was going to be scrapped uh, if we didn't buy it. And that would have just yeah. been a huge waste because there's nothing wrong with it. It was a perfectly good ship. It just needed to be uh, updated a little bit. It had actually had brand new uh, deck chairs and lots of new furniture, lots of you know, lots of new things. So uh, yeah, there was nothing wrong with it at all. It had a okay. fully stocked bar. Right, well, that's good. Like I say, like yeah. <laughs> you don't want to scrap a fully a fully stocked bar. No. All right, so you saved it. You saved the ship. We that's, saved the ship. That's good. Its sister, our Did sister you... ship, was actually scrapped. Uh, okay. Well, you know, you can only buy so many ships. Yeah. Did you, uh, uh, when you sold it, you know, did you did you take a loss, or did you maybe the maybe the pandemic had moved on a bit by then, and you actually got a profit? Uh, we're not officially saying the details, but uh, we're happy. <laughs> you made a profit. Good. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing. So, all right. So where's the dream at now, right? So you are the CEO of Ocean Builders. Uh, you're still obviously very invested in this dream. So like, you know, tell me what's happening now. Well, now we are uh, getting ready to launch our flagship product, which is our Pod, which is this uh, futuristic floating home that looks like something right out of the Jetsons. Uh, people are always comparing us to the Jetsons because it looks like that kind of round circular bubble kind of home. And uh, uh, it's a very futuristic concept. We are using, we're developing a lot of technology that isn't, um, hasn't been put into one place or hasn't been uh miniaturized down to the size of a house that can be used in a floating house uh, or a boat before actually so we have uh, waste recycling technology that has never been miniaturized down to fit into a home uh, it's usually used for municipal scale um, waste treatment so we have this on board so it's going to be able to recycle all the gray water which is usually really hard to, to treat uh, as well as black water uh, we have a black water uh, a separating system, so it separates the liquid black water from the solids. The solids go to an incinerator. The waste heat from the incinerator goes to powering 
the uh, or to heating water that can be used in hot showers, dishwashers, um, sink water for so you have hot water in the sinks to wash dishes or wash your hands or whatever. Um, we're working on several energy technologies. Uh, we're starting with solar, but we're also uh, working on some possible wave energy technologies of uh, something called flex electronics, uh, which is mm. um, basically uh, a material that when you move it, when you, it, it, when it flexes, it generates power. It's only a very small wow. amount of power, but we're, it's an experimental thing. We're, we're uh, about to go into a research program with a, a university that's developing some of these. So we'd like to put them on our, floating pods and doing experiments with it and we have a couple title energy projects we're we're looking at uh very seriously as well uh we're looking at some solar thermal energy generation technologies so we have we have a huge r&d effort going on uh, we have drone delivery services yeah. that are coming online so you'll be able to order pizza or convenience store item foods or or just you know emergency medical or um, if you want a bottle of um, painkillers for a headache, then you can order it on an app, and it'll be there in in a few minutes. Wow! It'll come right wow. to your house. This is this is exciting. So, so you guys are doing. I mean, there's a range of different technologies and different different concepts, but it's all under one roof. You're kind of doing doing it all. Yeah, we're doing too much, but it seems like everything's <laughs> getting done. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it sounds like you're back to working 17-hour days. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to get things organized a little bit better now. It, it, it takes a long time because this is something that's never been done before, so there's no template for it. And we're not just building a home, like a, a house. We're building a, an unusual house that's never been done before with new technology and new processes that have to be figured out because no one's ever done it before. Um, and then we're developing all these peripheral technologies that need to come together to make it all viable because mm. the average person that's used to um, having their nice long hot showers and normal toilets and normal bathroom experience and, you know, lots of energy to run their home, uh, if they had to scale back to having a, a 30 second shower per day, max, no hot water, um, having bathrooms that smell, you know, they, they just, it's not very appealing. So we're, we're trying to make this so that it is appealing for people. And, uh, we're trying to make something on, we're trying to make a home that on the water that is as comfortable or better than, what people are used to on, on land. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I mean, that sounds like kind of where it needs to be, to be attractive, I think for, for like the average punter, mm -hmm. I think, um, living on sea, there's a bit of a barrier of entry for, I think for a lot of people who might feel, you know, intimidated on some level by the idea of living at sea. So if you, yeah, if you make it that comfortable, like, you know, I'll be there. That sounds good. Yeah. I think once people, if, if I can just get someone on the sea pod for one night, I think it will be really hard to go back to your normal life. Mm. Like the quality of life yeah. you'll have, you, 
like number one, the view that you have when you're about three to four meters up over the water, it's just, it's spectacular. And, you know, most people spend their whole year working to have one or two weeks vacation. And they usually plan those vacations around places that are, you know, a tropical island somewhere or somewhere with a beach or water. And that's where people go to refresh, recharge, regenerate. And, you know, that's, that's where people go. So imagine being able to live there every day. That's, there's something really, really magical about living near the water, but it's even more magical living on the water. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I need to see a horizon line every few weeks. Otherwise I, I get a bit stir crazy. Um, I've got I got two more questions for you, and mm-hmm. and the first one is a silly one, and then the second one's a serious one. Mm-hmm. The the first one is, uh, in like the top five moments of your life, or sort of like experiences in your life. Where does uh where does buying and roaming around a cruise ship sit on that list? Huh. Uh, interesting question. Um top five i would say yeah top five experience. i mean three number three number two no not as high as two three four five okay that's that's up there you know if you go with three that's up there all right Okay, and then and then my more serious question is: uh, when you look back at the whole thing, you know, what, what do you feel like you've walked away with? What have you learned? Um, actually, that kind of relates to what you were going to ask, what you said you were going to ask earlier about what I thought about the Guardian article, because the the Guardian article was saying that it was a huge failure. And it was, uh, um, you know, and there were very. It kind of had a very negative tone. The whole article actually wasn't that negative, but it had, you know, kind of clickbait negative titles and stuff that really. Yeah. The packaging, the the packaging packaging was was, negative. Yeah. The packaging was negative. And for me, if you try something and it doesn't work, like that's, that's how you get places. You try things. And if you stop when you don't succeed, that is failure. If you just, you know, if someone just gives up at life or trying something, trying to do something when some, when you get one no, or when you get a negative response or you don't get the result you want, then that's, that's, uh, that's the recipe for failure in life. Like that's, yeah, yeah. uh, No thing of value has come the first time you try to do something, you know, it's, Usually you, you need to work hard. You need to try things. And if the first time you try something, it doesn't succeed. You try to do it another way. You try to go around, you go over and you go up and under and try new ways of doing things until you find a way to be successful. And that's the only way that's how every major technological invention has ever been made or every breakthrough that's ever been made in, in human history. It's was from, uh, from, repeated trial and error and, and lots of failure. The most successful people are the most, uh, the people that have failed the most. So yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. What's the, there's a, there's a saying about that, uh, which is, uh, fail often 
quickly or something to that effect. Like just get all your failures out of the way so you can get get on with the successful one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so that was my big, you know, you know another take. I'm very much like that anyway. I always keep on going. I'm always very determined if I have set a goal, you you just keep on trying until you get the result you want. So um, I think that's the big takeaway that people should take from this is um, don't give up because you get a no or because you don't get the result that you want immediately. I think people these days are so used to getting uh, instant gratification that they don't put in the work to get what they want or to get the end result that they want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Grant, I think that's a, I think that's a powerful note to end on. I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, and I guess I'm happy on just like a personal level for you that, you know, you're treating it like it was an experiment and not the definitive, you know, it wasn't like just we got one shot at this and if we don't pull it off, then that's it. Then, you know, the dream's over. So I'm happy to hear that you, you're still in the game, you know, you're, uh, you're moving forwards. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, for anyone interested in your work, how can they follow you? Uh, you can go to our website, oceanbuilders.com. We have a newsletter. We don't send out very many newsletters. But we also have a blog on the the website as well. And we do one or sometimes two blog posts a day that give you updates on all the technologies that we're developing, which are pretty, pretty all encompassing. So it's, uh, it's pretty Mm. interesting to follow. Uh, And then we also get factory updates of what we're doing at the factory. So you can see, see what we're doing. There's a lot of people that talk about building these, you know, futuristic floating cities, but no one actually really does anything. So you can go to our website and you can see every day what we're doing. And there's a huge international effort to, to make this happen. Amazing. Amazing. Grant, you're an inspiration. And, uh, and thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Okay. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you're thinking, hey, I've got a story, I've got a story that could work for what it was like, please hit me up. I love your your feedback. I love your story suggestions. I love just hearing from people. I am Julian Morgans on Instagram or at Morgans Julian on Twitter. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Tuffery. It was edited and mixed by Jimmy Saunders, and he also did our theme music. Our cover art is by Naomi Lee Beveridge, and this whole thing has been a super real production. Music